please remain standing and pray with me. Lord Jesus, as you poured out your spirit upon your church and filled it with the word that brought life and repentance, Lord, on that first day of Pentecost, Lord, so now send forth your spirit and fill your church once again. Lord, grant me the preacher of the word, uh, power and unction and anointing through the spirit of God. Uh, let this not be a work of man, but a work of your spirit. And Lord, please so convict our hearts with the truth of your word that we would have a desire to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit this morning, just as that gathered crowd did on the first day of Pentecost so long ago. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters, we have got a lot to celebrate today, many things to be thankful for. First of all, this is the first Sunday that we have gathered for public worship in two and one-half months, two and a half months. Can you believe that? For some people, that's a, gr a dream come true, but I kind of like this. So, uh, But we are back. Thanks be to God. Something to celebrate. Amen. Uh, secondly, we've got baptisms this morning, a whole bunch of baptisms. It's going to take a lot of water to do this. In just a few minutes, we're going to baptize the four Rogers children into the community, the covenant community of God's people, the church, and that is definitely a cause for celebration as well. Baptisms on the day of Pentecost, that is amazing. I didn't build in the clap lines, but I'm liking it a lot. And finally, we are celebrating a birthday today. That's right, we're celebrating a birthday uh, the Feast of Pentecost is commonly called the birthday of the Christian church. And why is that? Well, because when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the disciples in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and he preaches to thousands who had gathered in Jerusalem for the Jewish celebration. And at the conclusion of that first sermon ever preached to a crowd like that, Peter said to them, this is verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children. And for all, that's great, isn't it? And for all who are far off, everyone whom call, who calls the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So just combine the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, coupled with the preaching of the word of God, and boom, instant church. Or with baptism, just add water. So... <laughs> So 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ, and that's what we are going to focus on in this sermon this morning. But we're not going to use the Acts chapter 2 text to talk about Pentecost and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Instead, we're going to use John's narrative from John chapter 20. So we're going to use the gospel text this morning to do that. Now, the first thing that obviously needs to be asked is, why are there two accounts of the gifting of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament? Um, I, first of all, I have no doubt that John chapter 20 
and Acts chapter 2 are both accounts of real historical events that happened in space and time. Jesus really showed up in Acts 20 on that evening of the first Easter and breathed into the disciples with the imperative, receive the Holy Ghost, receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was really poured out 50 days later on the day of Pentecost. And the disciples witnessed on that day to the mighty acts of God in languages they had never learned. And people from all over the world gathered in Jerusalem really came to faith in Jesus through that preaching. That really happened. Yet no one has ever... Now, I've got my view on this, by the way, and, and it's the right view. Uh, so if you want to ask me about it later, I'll tell you. But no one has ever supplied a satisfactory way to harmonize what really amounts almost to two Pentecosts. That's a scholarly discussion, and it's outside the scope of this sermon. But that said, today, I want us to treat, listen, I want us to treat John's text with the honor it is due and deal with this passage about the giving of the Holy Spirit discreetly without trying to figure out how John 20 and Acts chapter 2 match up. So dealing specifically with John 20, what we see emerging in this text are, emphasis, are three emphases on creation, on community, and on commissioning. So, yay, a three-point alliterative sermon. We're back at church, obviously. <laughs> All is right with the world. But in John, John 20 reveals that the gift of the Holy Spirit is a creation event. Now, if you're writing something down, you might want to write that down. John chapter 20 shows that the giving of the Holy Spirit is a creation event. It is the creation of a brand new humanity. So just listen to John chapter 20, verse 22 again. And when he had said this, when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them. You know, that just doesn't sound like a good idea, does it? During the midst of coronavirus. You don't be breathing on or into people. But Jesus breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, a more literal translation of this would say, not he breathed on them, but he breathed into them. Breathed into them. And that verb that is behind breathed into them is only found one time in all of the New Testament, and it is found right here in John chapter 20. And that verb doesn't show up anywhere else in the Greek New Testament. But it does show up in the Greek version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And John and his community, in fact, all those Jewish people living in Palestine in the first century would be aware of that Greek, New, that Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint. It occurs, that verb, and here's the verb, by the way, it's enthusio, enthusio. It's where, actually where we get the word emphysema from. It's the same Greek root. But enthusio, or emphysio, if you want to say it that way, occurs for the very first time in the Greek version of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And what is that? Well, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. And as, so as John has done over and over and over again in his gospel, we remember back 
on uh, Easter when we heard the account of Mary Magdalene going to the garden. Only place in all of the New Testament, all the Gospels, where the resurrection happens in a garden. She mistakes Jesus for the gardener. It's really, he, John is showing us that this is the beginning of a new creation. The first creation began in a garden. The new creation begins in a garden. Over and over throughout John's Gospel, he is saying that through the incarnation, the life death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God is making a new creation. And by the way, that word for breath or wind or spirit, those are all the same word in Greek and in Hebrew. So Greek, it's ruach, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, pneuma, and in, uh, and in Hebrew it's ruach. And so that's, that, those words all mean wind and breath and spirit. So just as when God, cre listen, when God created Adam out of dirt in the garden, and I think it's so great, you know, we, we come out of a garden, and gardeners have been trying to get back into it ever since. And that's what's happening at my house, and maybe at your house too. So in, the, in that first garden, God makes Adam out of dirt, made him a living creature when he breathed his spirit. Are you getting this? when he breathed his spirit into him. And in the same way, Jesus is creating a new humanity by breathing his spirit. He breathed into them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what we hear throughout all of the New Testament. And here's the point, ready? When you and I are born again, when we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we experience such a radical transformation that we are made new creations. And if that didn't happen to you, you might need to go back and see if you really did experience the new birth. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So we're new creations because we become alive to God. And we're filled with love for God and a desire to please God. Things that did not exist in our lives prior to being born again by the Spirit of God now are new in us. And we're released from guilt and the controlling power of sin. That's a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing, making us new people, free from the power of sin. We might still sin, but we are not compelled to sin now by the Holy Spirit. We are given the power to overcome sin. We are filled with love for our neighbors. We're given an entirely new set of priorities, of affections and appetites. And so what does it say? We're made new, we're created anew. Yes, it does. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, Paul says, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that any man should boast, we are create. What does it say? You are you are God's workmanship. This is you, Christian, new person in, in in the power of the Spirit. We are God's workmanship, created. Get get it? In Christ Jesus, you are a new creation by the impartation of the Holy Spirit. Great news! Great news. The second thing in this passage that's revealed is that when Jesus gives the gift of the Holy Spirit, not only does he make us new a new humanity, he creates a new community. He creates a new community. That's why Pentecost is seen as the birthday of the church. Now, how do we get church 
out of Jesus breathing into some dudes in a locked room. How do we go from those two points? Well, you have to go to another place in the Greek version of the Old Testament where enthusio, enthusio is employed. And that would be in the Valley of the Dry Bones in Ezekiel chapter 37. Let me give you a little background how we get new community out of Jesus showing up in, the up, showing up in that locked room and breathing into his disciples the Holy Spirit. In the context of Ezekiel 37, the people of Israel have been scattered, they've been taken into captivity, because they've been taken into, into exile because of their faithlessness and their rebellion and their sin against their covenant God. Their identity, this is critical, their identity as a distinct community because of being taken out of the land and scattered has what? It's been shattered. They don't have the same community that they, ha they had before. Israel, as they knew it, is dead, as dead as desiccated dry bones with no hope. And so Ezekiel chapter 37 verse 11 says this, then he, the Lord God, said to me, uh, Ezekiel, son of man, what, is, what does God say about those dry bones? He says, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Your community is dead. It is extinguished. It's dried up. In fact, that's what they say. This is the same prophecy. They say, behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope, our hope is lost we are indeed cut off. So what does God do to restore, to reassemble, to recreate that community? Listen again, this is Ezekiel 37 verse 5, and then some other verses to give you the context and continuity. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath, or spirit, to enter you, and you shall live. He says to Ezekiel, therefore, verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Verse 14, And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. In other words, that dead community will come to life again, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. So listen, brothers and sisters, what is Ezekiel? These words are a prophetic utterance that in the future, God was going to restore that spirit-filled community. And when Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into those gathered disciples, He was fulfilling that promise. A new, restored Israel is created by the Spirit in that moment. That is the church. This covenant community is why you and I, listen, this is so important, and it's, it's, we don't think this way, so please listen. This covenant community is directly related to why you and I were created in the first place. Simon Chan, a great Singapore author, Chinese author living in Singapore, uh, he's a, yes, I'm quoting the Assemblies of God minister right this minute, who is also a professor there. That kind of stuff happens at Christ Church all the time. Get used to it. But he says this, and he's very, very insightful. God created the world in order that he might enter into a covenant relationship with humankind. And he accomplishes this with the call of Abraham 
and culminates his elective purpose in Jesus Christ and the church. We are, this new community is what God's creation is about. You know, there is no way of being a Bible Christian, there's no way of being a spirit-filled Christian without being a churchly Christian. And there is no way of being a churchly Christian without gathering with this new community, and we have ached for that. You know, while the world, and, and unfortunately even some Christians do not understand this, gathered church, gathered worship is an essential part of being a follower of Jesus and will be the church's joy to do throughout all eternity. Unfortunately, many of us did not need the government to tell us that worship was non-essential. <laughs> We'd already determined that on our own. A friend of mine was on a... One of the, have y'all, has anybody here been Zooming with their families, uh, uh, you know, with extended family? You have been on the Zoom. On the Zoom. It's the South. Whether you want it or not, your noun will get a definite article. So, the Zoom. Well, when a, a friend of mine was on a, a family Zoom call about, with his large extended family members, and uh, they were complaining, they were kvetching about how the government had suspended church services. And, but one of the young men in his 20s on that call spoke up and he said, I don't know why it matters to us since only two of us go to church anyway. <laughs> But for biblical Christians, we know that there is no definition of Christianity that does not involve the weekly gathering for worship on the Lord's Day. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 reminds us, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, yes, um, while the church has at times had found it necessary to suspend public worship, we've done that through the ages on occasions. In fact, during times of pestilence, this has happened before. We know that this is an aberration, and we're always longing to gather again for worship. So, you see, for authentic Christians, church is, this is critical, church is not a hobby like a chess club or a sports league. It is the constituting reality of being a follower of Jesus Christ. So welcome back, church. Praise God, welcome back. And for those who are not with us because of safety reasons, and we know that that's a continuing reality, we long for you to be able to gather with us again soon. Finally, Jesus imparts his Holy Spirit as a commissioning, as a commissioning. This is uh, John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed into them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So just as the Father, this is the commission that you and I have, just as the Father sent Jesus, the incarnate Word of God into the world, so now Jesus is sending us, just like the Father sent Jesus, He's sending us now into the world. And what does that mean? Well, it means this. He is commissioning you and me, the church, to be the ongoing body of Christ. We get that language from 
1 Corinthians chapter 12, we just heard it this morning, the body of Christ, to be the ongoing body of Christ in the world. What does that mean? Listen, you and I in community are Christ's real presence in the world. That is why Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, so the church can carry on His ministry. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And how would we know what that is? Well, I think there's four books I'd go to right away, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and bore down and find out what we're being sent to do. You know, we make a big deal about what are called the mysteries. Some people call them the sacraments. You can call me the one you want to. They're Bible ordinances. We make, we make a big deal of those mysteries, especially the, uh, the ones of baptism and Holy Communion here at Christ Church. Why do we do that? Is that just to be weird? No, it's because it's biblical. So the sacraments are Jesus' ordinary means of grace in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what? To make himself present, tangibly present in the world. We use real water. You can touch it. We use real bread and real wine. You can taste it. These are ordinary means of grace that the Holy Spirit uses to extend Christ's presence into the world. So do you know what that means? It means that since Jesus is present by the impartation of the Holy Spirit in His church, the church, this is cool, is God's supreme sacrament. We are the way Jesus is supremely present to the world. So do you want to know the mission of Christ? You want to know the mission of the church in a nutshell? The mission of Christ's church in a nutshell, it is to just this, be Jesus to the world. It is no good for us to say if Jesus were only here. Jesus is here through word and sacrament and through his gathered body, through the spirit of God, Christ is present. He's present through his church. God entered his material world by the Holy Spirit when Jesus was incarnated in Mary's womb, and now by the Holy Spirit, God is continuing to be physically present in the world through His church, and that means you, guys. That means me. So this morning, just as Ezekiel spoke prophetically over exiled Israel's dry bones, promising that God's Spirit would raise them up to be a new living covenant people, today... We are speaking prophetically. We're speaking prophetically through words, of, through words and the actions of baptism over these children. We declare in hope what God covenants to do for them. And as their faith takes hold of what God sovereignly is going to do to them through their baptism, God's Holy Spirit poured out on all flesh on the day of Pentecost will be poured out on, listen, poured out on Hudson and Ivy and Lincoln and Esther. And this morning, as God grabs a hold of His material creation again, as the Holy Spirit hovers over the deep of these baptismal waters out here in the churchyard, and God is going to sovereignly offer these children, it's going to be a new creation moment. He's going to sovereignly do what He's promised to do. Just like when Jesus went into the waters in Jordan, and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove, 
And the Father said from heaven, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. That same powerful experience is going to be poured out on these children this morning. They're going to be claimed as covenant children. These are my children with whom I am well pleased. The Spirit of God is going to speak over these children today as the Spirit hovers over the deep of those baptismal waters in that Rubbermaid agricultural trough. And God will sovereignly offer them the gift of being new creations in a new community commissioned to be the physical presence of the Jesus in the world, of Jesus in the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.